Well, hello, I'm Matt Williamson. How's everyone doing this fine Tuesday? It is draft day Eve Eve. We are on the cusp here. I am psyched. You don't know me. I mean, this is my most fun time of the year without question. I'm like a little kid trying to get ready here for Thursday, Christmas, Friday, Christmas, Saturday, Christmas, all that good stuff. Anyway, so the Steelers made a move and I'm not saying it's a big move, but they're bringing back Miles Boykin on a one-year deal. I like it quite a bit. So what is Boykin is he was coming out of Notre Dame was a size speed freak. You know I mean? Go look at his combine numbers. They're ridiculous, but he was kind of an unpolished receiver. I never understood. He didn't do much with the Ravens. I mean, we know that, but I never understood why they just cut him. I mean, considering the receivers they played with this past year or since cutting him, I guess is a good way of putting it. I never understood why they moved on from Boykin. And for one reason, too, he's also a great blocker. I mean, so as much as they run the ball, a big bodied receiver that can block, I thought had more value to them than anyone. So I don't know if this is true or not, because I didn't go back and watch his special teams tape with the Ravens. But he clearly, whether he did or not before he got here, as a Pittsburgh Steeler, dedicated himself to becoming an excellent special teamer. And I remember, you know, being at camp, he was putting in extra reps. And I think he did it in interviews with some of the reporters talking about how he's really, you know, changed his outlook on the NFL. And, uh, you know, I realized that this is not for long. You know, I need to really gear to make myself valuable on special teams. And he really, really did. There was four or five core, core special teamers last year. You know, guys like Killebrew and, you know, um, Pierre was one of them and Snell and some of those dudes, you know, obviously Watt, a couple of them not with the team as we speak. So Boykin was one of those. I mean, he was at the top of the team in terms of special team snaps and on the core things, you know, punt, punt, return, kickoff, kickoff, return. I'm not as worried about punt block or uh, kick, you know, uh, field goals, field goal block, but he's a very good special teamer and he's he does the dirty work. He blocks. He does special teams, things like that. Now, I don't think he's a great receiver, um, but I think he can play 10 snaps a game like he did last year. He's still big and fast. You can run go routes with him. I think you can run slants where he can shield people with his body. Certainly, he's going to block. If you want to put a bigger package out there, double tight end sets, Boykin and Pickens while Deontay takes a breather or something along those lines, you're a pretty physical offense. But his contributions on offense are minimal, but they're not, you know, nothing. Frankly, I might rather have him out there than Gunnar Olszewski, who's still with the team. And maybe this move means that they cut Olszewski. I've been lobbying for that forever, but I don't know. Who knows? Maybe those two are fighting for the sixth spot at the wide receiver uh, roster. So signing Miles Boykin and frankly trading for Allen Robinson aren't big enough things to say, well, now you're done, done with receivers. No chance you draft one. That's not true. But if you look at my article this week, uh, the first of two, by the way, another one comes out tomorrow with my first round predictions. Um, it really stresses each position group how many guys they usually keep, who looks like they're a lock, who's fighting for spots, where's the needs, where's the wants. Well, six receivers is pretty much standard for them. I know they entered last year with like eight, which was an odd anomaly, but they corrected it quickly. 
So Deontay, well, I know he's, I guess he's still rumored in flick of this angle. He is rumored to be on a, a potential trade candidate. I guess that would make that easier if he's here slightly. Okay. I mean, that aside, but Deontay Pickens, Robinson, Austin, I think Miller basically have the team made and, and that's your depth chart. Signing Boykin doesn't mean you can't cut him in camp. And obviously, any of those guys or all those guys could get hurt. But I think Boykin is now your sixth. And because he's a special teamer, that gives great value. Gunner, I guess, and Boykin could battle it out. You could still use a pick on a receiver again, but it's a bad receiver class. I, I tend to think that they're probably done at the wide receiver position, but we'll see. But so... Those are the ramifications just by making a tiny signing like that. Is Danny Smith really happy? No question. You know the player. He knows the offense. Pickett knows him. And you probably have alleviated your receiver once, you know, definitely the needs going into the draft on Thursday. So I'm going to take a quick break and show you a little something different here, too, I think is interesting. That's kind of a league-wide draft little nugget here as well. Okay, I am back, and I saw this on Pro Football Focus today that they call it war, wins above replacement, but it's just a mathematical value for the value of every draft pick. 15's worth more than 16, you know, and it's not, you know, so kind of like a draft value chart, but if you added up all the, the picks of each respective team, who would have the most points, so to speak? So I found it interesting from a couple angles. First of all, Steelers are pretty good. I mean, in terms of draft capital for this year, only 12 teams have more draft capital than the Steelers, which basically means the 12 teams above them, I'll trade I would gladly I would trade all my draft picks for all your draft picks and I'll win that battle. Okay. Although Philly's almost exactly the same and they're at 11. So and Philly has two first round picks. All those Steelers of 32, which isn't far off. So anyway, um, so again, the Steelers now have the 13th best cards in their hand. You still got to make the picks. You still got to play poker properly, but they have the 13th best hand dealt to them as we enter the draft. And we know it's an imperfect science. So I wanted to highlight the ones at the top, the ones at the bottom, and a couple nuggets about some other teams, one of in the division is... Probably shouldn't shock any of you that Houston is a distant number one. I mean, they are they have the most draft capital by far. They have two, they have 12, they have the pick after the Steelers do in the second round and every, you know, second pick of every draft, but they also have a lot of extra stuff as well. They can pretty much do whatever they want. I mean, if they want to make an A.J. Brown type of trade, they can do that. If they want to move around throughout the draft, they can do that. They can pretty much do anything except get Bryce Young because he's going one and they're not trading that pick. But other than that, they pretty much, the world is their oyster. The Lions in Seattle, or I'm going to put you know, Texans as a tier one team. They're standing well above everybody else. Seattle and Detroit both have two first round picks, both right around each other. They're kind of tier two for you. And then there's no surprise. It's the bad teams. I mean, the teams that pick early in the draft, the Raiders, the Cardinals, 
The Bears, even after their trade from one. The Colts are at seven. Panthers are at eight, but much of theirs is all, you know, the value of the first overall pick. The Packers, after this, this Rodgers trade, are now at nine. Atlanta, the Patriots, the Eagles, and the Steelers are all right about the same, but those are the three right above Pittsburgh, who's also slightly above the Titans, the Commanders, the Bucks, but they're noticeably above those guys. So not only the Steelers 13, but they're extremely close to 10. You know, I mean, 10, 11, 12, 13, Falcons, Patriots, Eagles, Steelers, almost are equal with what they have at their disposal. It's really good. So speaking of the division, the teams at the very bottom, shouldn't surprise you, the Bengals are at 25. More than any team in the league, if you don't know this, you get your picks wherever you land, they don't move. You know, they don't trade up. They don't trade down. They don't trade picks. You know, the pick that they earned more than anybody, they're they're going to stick, stick and pick and all seven picks, boom, you know, and they were good. So they picked late. They are 25th. The Ravens are 26th. I'm sorry. The, the Yeah. The Ravens are 27th. Bengals are 25. Ravens are 27. They pick earlier than... Cincinnati, but they don't have their second round pick because of the Roquan trade. So they usually have a ton of picks. They don't. This is going to be a strange Ravens draft. So those two teams are unlikely to improve their team by leaps and bounds. Now, the only teams worse than the Browns are San Francisco, whose first pick I think isn't till 99 overall. They're the team that'll make their first choice last in this draft. So the Browns are 29. San Francisco's 30, Denver, brutal. I mean, this is after the Russell Wilson trade. They're still 31st. I mean, they're feeling the ramifications of that, not only in last draft, but this draft. So that's going to be like two draft classes go by for Denver with very, very little to speak of. And the Dolphins are a distant 32. I mean, they're trading picks for Chubb and whoever else, Ramsey. So they're in it to win it with veterans. So they're a distant 32. Last little nugget is to if we look ahead to next year's draft, the Texans, the Bears, and likely the Packers after the Rodgers trade are the three teams with an extra first round pick. The teams that don't have a, a pick in next year's first round are the Panthers after moving up for Young, the Jets, assuming Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps, and the Brownies. So, not only is Houston number one this year in draft capital, but they have an extra first-round pick. Not only the Bears sixth this year in draft capital, but they have an extra first-round pick. Not only the Packers ninth this year in draft capital, you guessed it, they have an extra first-round pick. So the Panthers are eighth this year in draft capital, but don't have a next year's first. But it's really all all their draft capitals because they have one one. You know, they have young. So. That's that, that's the eggs in the basket there. I mean, if Young doesn't work out, wow. So here's what's most interesting to me, though. The Jets are 22nd this year in draft capital and don't have a first-round pick next year. So you're pushing your chips in more than you might realize, even though that they still have a first, they still have a second, and Rodgers is coming in. But they're 22nd in terms of draft capital, and they don't have a first-round pick next year. But the Browns, I mean, the Browns are – teetering on the Russell Wilson 
Broncos situation because they're 29th this year in draft capital and they don't have a first round pick next year. So it's very conceivable that they could go several years without premium draft capital. I mean, you talk about ruining a team or Watson having to be Superman. I mean, he almost has to be a top five quarterback for that trade to be worth it. And oh, by the way, he's like a $60 million cap hit next year. So I thought that was interesting um, just in terms of teams in this class or in this year that have the most power, the best cards in their hand of Houston by a wide margin. But your Steelers aren't that far off. I mean, they're really, really close to 10th and they're 13th on this list. So I found that interesting. And that is a wrap over and out. <laughs>